You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is London Calling. Here is the last news bulletin for today. The time through which we are now passing is of exceptional character. Okay. How's that sound? Is that any louder? That sounds good. Okay. Yeah. We were getting some complaints that it was quiet, so we're... Uh, we've turned the record volume up. So if it's... Uh, well, as, you, as Owen's just said, if it's loud, you motherfuckers can turn it down. Exactly. <laughs> and I've never been told I'm too quiet, ever. <laughs> it's you. It's because you lean away. It's because you I lean do. away I'm, from I'm the quite, mic. I've got a I've big been saying, range of movement. That's it. Yeah, you're very expressive. I've been saying you've got to you've got to do your Liam Gallagher. You've got to rotate around the microphone. I mean, that, that's is that how's that sounding on the mic? Is that yeah, sounding that's good? That's pretty to impressive. You? There we go. If I do it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't doesn't work doesn't work I'm, I'm too too flexy all right full reptile radio uh regular thursday morning edition uh we're talking about we've got a couple of cars to talk about today we're talking about cage warriors 98 which was pretty special you came awesome. to that did yeah, you yeah. not yeah, and uh you were you talked to everybody in the building pretty much every time i talked Dude. around you were talking to somebody different Literally, if you had a, if you had a full reptile top on i was your best friend <laughs> i just walked up there's so many people it was insane and I've been involved in brands before where it's it's popped and people are wearing what I've drawn, but this is different. Yeah, and it's there's there's a few. There's a guy sat two rows in front of me. As he got a tap on the shoulder, there's another dude with his dad, and basically the 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 son. I think it's Kieran. I'm pretty sure it was Kieran. Bought his dad a hoodie, so I was t- stood talking to them, and then I turned the corner as someone else. I was like, "This is the bollocks." Man. Nice. It's so good. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. It was good because I did a meet and greet and I had people coming up and stuff wearing it. I got a couple of photos with people. It was very cool. Thank, thanks for all that's uh, purchased already. Uh, well, let's talk about the event before we move on to UFC Moncton. I was surprised, man. Like, I've always, I've always tried to overdose on whatever content there is. Doesn't matter if it's Bellator, Bama, UFC. Obviously, UFC is all. It's just going to record on my planner. Where everything else is, all, it's always been a bit harder to sort of get. Yeah. So obviously. Dean sorted out some tickets. Me and my friend China went down there. We went in, got a gold wristband. What more could you want? Gold wristband. I to, mean, to match your gold, your gold full reptile for shirt. Real. <laughs> yeah, which you were wearing as well, which looked, which yeah. was, looked a bit looked daft. like we'd choreographed it yeah. a little bit. But the, it felt like a UFC event. I've been to a few, and it, it it wasn't slow. Like in between fights, there was ten minutes max. Yeah. So, and it was it was really quick, really good. There was so many. So many good fights. If you haven't seen it, I mean, the the main was fantastic. 
um, there was a guy, Perry. I said I was going to oh, give him yeah, a Oh, yeah, yeah. Perry Andre Goodwin. Yes. I was just about to mention that. Came out looking like Bronson. Right. And then catfished me. I, to be <laughs> fair, I'd not really been drinking. Me and China had a couple of pints, but nothing excessive. And I'm sat, good seats, and straight to the right of me is a guy, leopard print shirt, Bronson Tash, crew cut. Now, bear in mind, Perry had been behind me about an hour before warming up. He had his wraps on, and he, obviously that was his family in the, in, the, uh, in the audience. So about an hour later, after he'd fought, China said, hey, look, there's Perry. I was like, boom, I'm all over this. <laughs> and I just wanted to go over to say, look, it might be my own fault that I've not followed um, as many Cage Warriors guys, but I normally see them come up through the ranks, and, and then I, yeah, I can put my, my hooks in. So I felt like I just wanted to go over to him and say, dude, fucking outstanding like you, you blew me away really good and i said perry and he went no nope. <laughs> he said i've just i've just done the tash purely purely to support my friend and i was like oh fuck but you, i went all in i went straight in to give him a big hug well done and i sent it he he got him to to message me through insta and it was just it was more just to say watch this guy yeah right what, what's his name on insta did you say um uh i'm not sure i, I did start what following are you googling him, if not no, I'm, I've got him. I've got his topology pulled up because he's the first thing that stood out to me when I was watching his fights before the event is that his record just doesn't do him justice at all. You know what I mean? He's a lot better than his record suggests, and then like that performance really showed it. Because uh, Alexander Jakobsen's dangerous. He's a yes. good fighter. He's got heavy hands, and I, I expected Perry, uh, Perry to kind of approach it a bit more cautiously, shall oh, we say? Kind of let it breathe a bit. Wall. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, really, really good performance. I did start following him on Instagram. I'm going to find him now. I have got one of the shout out, one of the Cage Warriors situation shout out to do. Is your phone working? I know your phone keeps oh, packing mate, it's up. Jacked. Uh, literally, it only works if it's plugged in. Like I only work if I speak into the mic. <laughs> Dickhead. Um, so while we sat there, bear in mind I've got oh Perry Andre Goodwin. Perry Andre Goodwin. There yeah, we go. Give that guy a follow. Um, but we went. When we were there, obviously, I had my Adam gear on, and yeah, that was a rough one. It was tricky, man. I mean, it was it was hard because it's one of the first times I don't want to be the unlucky charm that turns up at a cage warriors <laughs> event. But I mean, to to not to break it down or to dissect it at all, but I mean, his control, his his um, defense on the floor, so many bits that I could have taken away. But it's so hard for me to say to someone else, "You you still did good, dude. It's not a lose." It's a learn. Yeah. And that's just a kick in the tits for anyone, isn't it? You just yeah. want to get back in there. Especially when it's your first one. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and you know you've got a while before you can get back in there and put it right. Like that's the difference between fight sports, well, p- particularly MMA, because like even Thai boxing, if you lose one weekend, you can fight the next. Exactly. You know, if you, especially if it's you're like out football, in Thailand. anything like that. You've got, you you're only, next you're weekend. Ne- last performance. Yeah. And it's, it, it doesn't do it justice. But So I didn't want to be the unlucky charm, but China's friend, our friend, um, Dean Truman was fighting on there as well. Mm. And it was crazy because the guy that Dean was fighting, we were sat next to his fiance. And then there was someone that knew the guy was fighting out of in front of me. Then we had the full Stefano crew. The whole crew <laughs> was in and the more Italian swear words. So they were sat in front of us. And it was crazy to think that everyone there was rooting for a different guy, but yeah. sat right next to you, breaking it down with the, with the utmost respect. And there was this guy, and literally he'd taken, I think, his girlfriend, his wife, big dude. And literally, all I can hear is him breaking it down, sat behind me. And it was like 
full commentary. <laughs> and to be fair to him, obviously, he, I, you might have seen the Adam Apex on my back, mm-hmm. but he was super, like, super fair to really? everyone. Okay. Broke it all down, explaining everything to his missus. We spoke about small joint manipulation, biting, all this other shit. And I said, bro, you need to be commentating. <laughs> and I was like, hold on. That's kind of what Dan does. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not throw him in there. But his name is Matty Byfield MMA. And I said to him, dude, you've made this night gold. So awesome. I, need, I need to give you a shout out. Not that I'm going to whore myself out to anyone. I'll keep him on standby unless, in case the Warriors guys can't make it. We'll have to keep him on standby. Dude, and <laughs> to be fair, he didn't flex. He, when I said to him, because I did recognize him from somewhere. And he said, I've just got one of them faces. And then when I followed him and we, we got talking at the end of the fight and then he's, uh, he's got his Instagram and obviously he's a fighter and he does a bit bits and bobs. But he wasn't walking in those Charlie Big Potatoes. Oh, well, you might have seen me on such fights, right. including Ring of Fire. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He, he's Pulling just... Pulling up his Instagram page to show you. That yeah, kind of stuff. it was good, man. But nice. the whole thing, it just felt... It was a good event once. It was For nice. Real. It was well yeah. ran. It was, yeah. I mean, I, I love Cage Warriors. I mean, they always supported me coming through, but even now to see them at a different they're at a different level now it was still a bit wild west when i was fighting the cage warriors back in the day just because every show was wild west even the ufc a little bit back in the day you know anything with cage in the front of it it's a cage That's fight a cage fighting fucking fight in the face you fuck and it's like mm, all right yeah no it was it was a good event and it was a uh, it was well managed it was well attended and the, the fights were good well the, the ones that stood out to me the the uh featherweight tournament it's good so you got and I'm Dean invested Truman. now I'm invested I'm looking right. forward to see Dino because Dino's training at fourth he's that's, training with Wayne and that's a tough fight as well for, for both fighters like you've got Dean, Dean Truman who against Lewis Mono was just well he was all over in Monty I mean, where, was, where did that Superman punch come from yeah he, Way he's down so town. creative he just kind of throws whatever he thinks spinning stuff jumping stuff dude yeah I, I like watching Dean fight he's real scrappy and Aiden Lee's Far more, he's very, very technical. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's he kind of, you kind of always get the feeling that Aiden Lee knows what he wants to do in the fight and he just kind of... It's almost like a plan where Dean's is like, yeah. he's gone to the chippy and someone's called him a name and he's like, oh, we'll just fight then. Yeah. Which is the way that Ilkeston works, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> Which I made my day, I looked up on the screen, you know, and it says, and fighting proudly out of... He said fighting proudly out of Derbyshire, which yeah. I can live with. Il- but, Ilkeston. Yeah, but he's from Ilson. Like, you can't... You can't not, you can't have Derbyshire, not Ilsa. Do you know what I mean? No one pronounced it Ilkiston. So yeah, it was, it was we'll, good We'll to have see. to get you to update Andy Freelander's cards before the next event. Oh mate, no, because he gets sacked for having Tourette's and calling <laughs> someone a thunder cunt or something. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, I'm looking forward to seeing the final of that. When is that taking place? Do you know? I, I, uh, I think it's December. Oh, is it? Because is it it's not Cage the next one. It's the one after. I'm pretty sure. So it's not the Col- So Colchester's next. Yes. Cage Warriors 99 is Colchester. Yes. And then Cage Warriors 100 is the double bill with Polaris. Yes. Which is going to be great. I'm going down for the full weekend. Where's that um, one? Cardiff. Col- uh, you- Cardiff. The next one's Colchester. Okay. And then Cardiff. You, my, I'm so jet lagged. I've got to let you know. I'm, I've just got back from Canada. I am incredibly jet lagged. My brain is still thawing out from the Canadian winter. And... Uh, yeah, and we've been we've already been working. This is <laughs> this is late doors. Like, it is actually. We've had some kale chips. Look at it. It's after four o'clock. We're normally finished by four o'clock. Yeah, kale chips. Yes. We've introduced. Uh, I went to kale chips today. Man. What do you reckon? You're impressed, aren't you? I'm sold, and and I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to bastardize that with some sort of meat. I know sub- you are. You meat, were t- you're already element. talking about adding bacon and chicken to them. for real. <laughs> yeah. So I've got kale chips with chicken salt. Yeah. But honestly, yeah. I've shouted to Lacey. Mate, she smashed. She it. makes a portray a day now, and I it's. 
I never used to eat kale before. I, I don't particularly like it in juices. It's just got a weird texture. I've not tried it. We, we just had a nice juice then with a bit of a kick, a bit of a yeah. fiery, fiery ginger. ginger. A bit yeah. ginger. More ginger than Jimmy Warhead. Shout out to Chris Bliss <laughs> and Jimmy Warhead. <laughs> before we get off Cage Warriors, let's just quick talk about the main event. If you haven't watched the main event of Cage Warriors 98, make sure you do. Ross Houston against Stefano Paterno. So Paterno was defending his belt for the first time and... Ross Houston is well undefeated at six and zero now. He's just he's wild. He's mm-hmm. he's a great fighter to watch. Really tough, really durable, big for the weight class. Really dynamic in everywhere. Everything that he punch throws that he landed, yeah, and just turned Ross's body on and his head off. And right, it, it was like I know we've said it before, like a glitch, but. It was it, like his legs were trying to catch like it. A scoo- like I heard him on, um, on Case Warriors saying it's like his body was trying to do the Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and it was. It was yeah. fully just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, Great fight. But it always gets me, as a fan, okay, I see a lot of people get rocked. And I know what it's like. Well, you know when you you nearly knock yourself out and someone says, stand up. I mean, you've seen it at the end of fights when people are trying to get on the stool and they're fucked. Yeah. To me, if you get someone rocked, I would like to think I would quite confidently say... Stand back up. Yeah. And then I'd give him another crack. But it doesn't seem to ever happen because no. obviously you've thrown everything into that third, fourth round. You're exhausted. So when they do go down, you think, we can have a cuddle. <laughs> I'm fucked. The and thing is, when you see someone go down, occasionally, occasionally you'll feel that the punch was right and you feel that it was a knockout shot and you know that you've, that you've, you've put them out. You don't really need to follow up. But then there are other times when you land a punch. Like, so when I fought Dwayne Ludwig, yep. I landed a left hook. I knew it was the finish of the fight. But when he landed, he, he looked like he was still awake. His head bounced. He started to sit yeah. up. So I knew the referee wasn't going to jump in. And I, I tried to land that one extra punch just to finish it off. And then he sat up past the arm. It was, that was a big mess. Don't do that. But like there are, there, there are times when you land the punch and you're like, that was the punch. Mark Hunt does it all the time, obviously. He knows when he's landed. He just wanders he, off. Right. But then there are other times when you land a punch and you see them go down and it's a little bit of a surprise. You get that adrenaline rush and then you think to yourself immediately, like, how hurt are they? Stay safe. I should keep punching them. Yeah. I should keep punching and them. And so they're in they survival mode because you've got Scott Smith and... Um, oh, yeah. And Pincel. Drago. Oi. One of my favourite fight. One of my favourite finishes ever. Well, it's just, it's that stomach shot and it's just... That, and you know it's like kids in a playground. The first time you get winded, you're like... I, 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 I think you're dying. I, 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 think I remember falling... I remember I was on a... Uh, on a BMX when I was a kid Ooh. and the handlebars were like they were tr- it was a trick a, BMX so you could spin exactly that's what it's called that's the word and I was I'd turned the, 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 the front wheel of the bike too fast and the bike had jammed and fell forward and I fell onto the Oi. Uh, the edge of the handlebar it was <laughs> right in yeah. my solar plexus tell my mum I love her and there was, <laughs> there was nobody else I was in the garden on my own and I just kind of fell onto the grass I was like it was like like a scene out of Platoon yeah yeah was like, on your knees <gasps> yeah is that the first time you my nearly knocked yourself out with window. nunchucks <laughs> <laughs> I did that no. as well. It wasn't it wasn't nunchucks though. It was uh, a three section staff. Oh no, I did myself a nunchucks. Really? Yeah, big time. My mate was he self taught Dean, um, old friend back in the day, and he self taught himself play guitar. Self taught himself nunchucks. He self taught himself <laughs> to speak. Self taught. Where's were his tool? So <laughs> hashtag self taught. There you himself. go. And he handed me. He was like, oh, here's some foam nunchucks, and I was throwing them about, loving it. I was like, let me just try the weight of them. <laughs> when I woke up, I realised nunchucks are not for me. Nice. But yeah. Yeah. On your bike story, I used to ride motorbikes back in the day, and it was trials. So if you if you know Dougie Lampkin, trials essentially is control of the bike, really slow, low geared, 
and you can from standing oh, you jump yeah, onto yeah. a rock. So we all did all that. Is, is there a reason why the tires are always half flat? Yes. So essentially, if you imagine the tire is say 15 centimeters wide when it's inflated, yeah. When it's half deflated, you get it to about oh. 23, and it just the grip is immense because obviously you you're rolling up a rock. That makes sense. Like the beer. So I'll never forget. I had a Fantic 80. And you can Google it. it. Basically, the bike, on a trials bike, it's not really got a seat. So it's got a swooping back mod guard, really smooth, up to a, uh, up, the, up the front to, a, obviously, a petrol tank. But it, there's not really, it's not like a, a Harley Davidson V-twin. You don't see a big mass. Right. So it's like, a, it's like a slide. But what you don't remember is there's a massive petrol cap on the top, which is about five inches in diameter. Standing proud about an inch and a half. And as a kid, you wear all your shiny gear. So you've got trials gear on, like Wolf Sport and all this. I thought this was going to run into the vasectomy story there. Oh, it It could have started that at 12. Yeah, it could have finished off the old boy. And basically, I was going down this rock and I hit something. I went from the back mudguard on my arse, slid straight into this petrol cap. Oh, I swear to God. And bear in mind, all the people that were there, it was like a family thing. And this lady came running over. She was about <laughs> 120. And she was like, do you want me to have a look at it, dear? I'm like, please don't. i got to breathe. And it, it winded me and it knocked my knots into my neck. Uh, honestly. Oh, no. Yeah, not good, man. That's that. Now now my getting winded story doesn't sound nearly as bad. Yeah, but it's, it's, the, it's that same near-death experience that you think yeah. you have as a kid. Because it's like, oh, my God. I'll yeah. tell my kids about this one day. Not do, nice. Do you, do you, I've got, okay. I don't think I've ever shared this story publicly before. I'll tell you about about one of my near-death experiences when I was a kid. Okay. I was fucking terrified, but it actually turned out to be rather quite hilarious. So I was on some kind of school trip. Uh, we'd gone to Derbyshire and we were on a farm and we'd gone away. We were like youth hosteling. We were in a hostel for, for like a few days. And we like were Kingswood or... Kind of, King's, yeah, somewhere Kingswood? like that. So like Yulegrave maybe? Yeah, one know, of the adult like pursuit that. things. That's it, yeah. yeah. So we were doing like, we'd go hiking and we were doing various other things. And we were gone to, we'd gone to this farm on this particular day and we were, you know, meeting all the animals or whatever. And I'd kind of lost interest. So I wandered off into the back areas of the farm. And it was me and a, me and a friend of mine. And we were a bit, you know, a bit trouble causers. And farmers, for people that are, uh, outside of the UK, they tend to buy a vehicle and they use it until it doesn't run anymore and they fix it as many times as they can until it absolutely doesn't and then they just park it. It's called running it into the ground. Into the ground and it's yeah. just parked. And this guy had, I don't know, 12 cars parked on one side of this pond or facing the pond. And I was standing on the other side of the pond with a big pile of rocks. So I decided I was just going to try and smash these cars up with these rocks. Of course, yeah. So I'm, I'm in my defense, I'm probably eight years old. Before I get to this stage, it's worth noting that the day before we'd been hiking and in the particular area of Derbyshire that we were hiking, we were walking across like wooden planks that had been laid down between peat bogs. Okay. So a peat bog's a bit like quicksand. Yeah. Like you step into it, you fall in and then you kind of slowly sink to your death. But it's a lot more British. There's like tea and crumpets on there the is, side yeah, for the, while yeah, you're dying. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, that's it. You get you get a little flag to wave with yeah. the Queen's head on it and it's it's terrifying and i think that night i must have had some kind of subconscious you know bad dream of putting myself in one of those scenarios and that, that you know having that suffocating feeling as you disappear underground yeah yeah awful horrible idea going back to this story the next day so i'm on this farm i'm throwing these rocks over and i see the the farmer's tractor coming over the hill i turn and i run through all of these uh, farm buildings 
and I get out into what, what looked like a clearing and I continue running and all of a sudden I'm sinking and I'm up to my waist and then I'm up to my neck and I'm like, I'm like holding still because what the first thing that I remembered was the day before they said, if you ever fall in a peat bog, the worst thing to do is thrash around because you'll sink faster. A nice slow breaststroke. <laughs> yeah. So I just fucking froze. So I'm like slowly sinking. I can feel myself sinking and then all of a sudden I freeze. And then I hit the bottom and it's concrete. What the fuck is this? And then I walk forward and it was a huge pile of cow shit. Oi. And I'd ran, I'd ran across out of this farm. Is it like running on custard? Oh man, it was, it was like, so bad. <laughs> I ran out what looked like, what looked like con- concrete onto dirt, but it turned out it was a drop. And on the other side of this drop, he just piled up this big heap of shit. So I ran out onto it and started to sink and thought I was falling into a peat bog and dying. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. How did he die? Funny story. <laughs> Do you know what cow shit is? <laughs> Dude, I was wearing full denims. De- oh, denim jacket, denim, denim jeans. crusty. Just covered in filth. Why did you sit on yeah. the bus next to Smelly Dan? Yeah, I think I just took them off and hosed them down oh. and just left them out to How dry. hot did your ears go, though? You know, that moment that... You know, you're the in panic. trouble. Yeah, panic, ready a panic. Is <laughs> that when, you, when one of your mate, or I can never forget, he came round and he's like, I've got a new Transformer. I said, like, oh, Mint, let me have a look. Passed over Megatron, Galvatron, whoever the fuck it was. Passed it me, and halfway through the Transformer, I snapped it. Oh. But by this point, he'd gone downstairs to get a drink. And you know, when you're trying to put it back together and hide it at the same time. So when he walks in, he accidentally treads on it. You go, oh, no, you've snapped oh, the dude, leg off, bro. you broke it. Yeah. <laughs> That's red tabs. Mm, it's bad. Yeah. It's not a panic. nice feeling. There was absolute panic. I remember that moment. I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm dying here. This is it. I'm falling into a peat bog. Oh, man. It's, it's just that it fear was my, of... my karma for smashing other cars up. Well, this is it. But did you, did you get a good few shots with the rocks? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I took out at least four windscreens. I was pretty, pretty pleased good. with my... That's I, worth it. Yeah. I had a pretty good right hand before I could throw a punch. Yeah, worth, <laughs> worth it for a cow shit shower. Um, we've gone off completely on a tangent. We, we had a list today. Yeah, I have got a bit of a list to follow, but um, my main concern is to keep next to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do two things at once. We can't follow a Definitely list. Definitely not. No. If I mic. put my head down, you might get it right. Okay. So to, to close, Cage Warriors 98, make sure you go back and watch it. The Featherweight Tournament, Dean Truman against Lewis Monarch and Aidan Lee against Paul McBain. Go and watch those fights and get excited for the final of that because it's for the world title. And Ross Houston, Stefano Paterno, watch that as well. The whole card, man. It's, yeah. it, it, there's, there's not really a disappointment. Because to be fair, at first, when I got there, I was waiting for you in whichever suite we were in. And oh, I dude. missed you by yeah. a minute. But we stood outside waiting to go in. And like two fights finished by the time we sat down. And they were, it, they were good scraps. So even if you don't know someone's name, you're still going to get a lot of entertainment. There's, right. a, there's a lot that you can pull out of it. I, don't, I, I always leave with plenty of time. And I always end up sprinting into the venue with yeah. like less than five minutes to go. I don't know why that is. I just seem to have too much going on. Right, we're moving on to the UFC now because this was an epic card. And just a quick shout out to Moncton and everybody who lives there. What a friendly bunch. It was It was a, an absolute pleasure being there for the week. Everyone was very cool. They got some great food there, some good vegan options. I was very appreciative of that. And Johnny G's even more so. I'm about to say, I can imagine. Yeah, man, you get sick of eating the uh, tomato munch. pasta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, they, they've got too much monster in them. That doesn't class as vegan. Yeah, the bees that the bees that find the, the nectar. <laughs> right. So, where do you want to start on this card? I was. I only got chance to sit down Sunday. And oh, watch you've it. only watched the. the I've the watched card, the main, right? and we watched the, and we watched the Edwards Madge fight. Let's that talk was about that. Fantastic. It was right before it started. Right before the fight started. 
I had my notes in front of me and I had Sean Shelby sitting to my right and I wrote F-O-T-N, fight of the night and pointed it and he nodded to me. Like these two, so what I was saying to you earlier, T. Edwards has got wicked one punch knockout power. He's got a hundred percent knockout rate in six fights. He's got he's got wicked wicked knockout power. Baby but he Tyrone. only needs one shot. He is baby Tyrone. He, he is exactly. He's very much like a Tyrone Woodley kind of fighter. He's he's a good wrestler, but he knows he only needs one punch. So he he, he kind of t- tends to stick to that. Whereas Don Madge is a tie boxer, a proper tie boxer. Like how many over, fights did you say he had? He said he lost count over. He lost count when he got to about seventy. So he's probably, you know, he's probably nearing 100 professional tie fights. But it showed. And they were tie yeah. fights. And then he's throwing up triangles, uh-huh. armbar attempt. Right. How fast was that armbar attempt? Ridiculous. And, and a respect to T. Edwards for scrambling out of that. That was. Well, I don't think T. Edwards expected anything, but no. then just switched it into uh, expert mode and, and flipped out. Yeah. And the referee nearly got in the way. That was nice. That referee was, was nearly in the way for the whole night. It was but almost a, a classic sprawl, wrestling. Though. Oh, the ref's out. <laughs> someone, someone comes running from the back. It was a decent sprawl, though, by the referee when T. Edwards was trying to take him down after the head kick. He needs to go but, one trouser size up. Yeah, right. But what a finish. What a yeah, finish. Ridiculous. Head kick through the guard from the left side, and then as T. Edwards circles down the fence, he throws a right head kick from the opposite side that was completely unblocked. Mate. And caught finish. him. So, so yeah. left head kick, right head kick, and on his way down, through sheer gravity, he still caught him flush. Right. What was, that, what was that fight in Pride where... Uh, do you remember Igor Vovchanchin knocked out that guy standing in the corner and as the guy fell forward, he hit him four or five more times as he felt the, yeah. stiff. Yeah, and I Wicked. can't remember the guy's name because it always reminds me of um, when Vitor smashed um, Matt Lindland. You know when Vitor came back from being a bit ropey dope Was it yeah, Affliction? Yeah. I think it might have been Affliction, the first one. Right. His first one back after he'd been away in the UFC was that mad cut against Marvin Eastman. Remember that? Yeah. It looked like someone had hit him in the face with a hatchet. Yeah. But it yeah, was... G- and he immediately pointed to Jesus. You know, Jesus would be really happy what yeah. you just done to poor old Marvin. He's Jesus says <laughs> that Marvin was not a bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Jesus likes tie clinch. Yeah. But he, when he um, he starched Matt Lindland. Yeah. It's, a, it's just when you see the fist oh, go yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 I've just been a bit sick of my mouth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that was. I mean, it was a wicked finish. He deserved the, the the bonus for sure. All right, let's jump up then. You've not seen the uh, the Chris Fishgold Calvin Qatar fight. I, no, you? I didn't. I, it was one of them. Like I say, on Sunday, it was everyone's not very well at home. They're feeling a bit rough, so we need of, some kale chips and some juice. I am going to make kale chips. Trust me now, honestly. When Here we in, they'll be like vegetables. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, you can have dippers with it. They're magic, though, aren't they? They are the best. But the um, so I managed to sit down on Fight Pass, and I've got to get, I've got to say Fight Pass again because I was I try and go on BT Sports where it's recorded, mm-hmm. but obviously not everyone's staying up till till three a.m. And the worst thing is that the description just needs to be UFC one twenty nine UFC final. It doesn't need to be massive knockout in Manchester. Oh, never. go fuck yourself, bro. They and put spoilers on all it. the time, Dickheads. and it's like there's never a time when you go on and you're like. Oh, well, I'll just watch that now. So I can't really go on. So I, I sort of, I get it to the right place on my phone and, and look away, pass it to Stace. And then she's like, which one is it? What do you want me to find? Mm-hmm. And she normally finds it for me. So when I went on Fight Pass, if you, if you go to past events, because on the homepage, it had no spoilers. You hit past events. When that drops in, then you can then go for the, uh, the bout durator, or bouts and that'll just jump you straight through, which is wicked. Because you know when... I'm I'm trying to bounce in and out of fights and the kids want me and whatnot. I can just drop back in. Yeah. Yeah, I was really impressed because I've never really 
I've normally gone through BT, so yeah. I was impressed with that. No, I like Fight Pass. I'm, I'm all over it. I'm trying to wear it out. Yeah, it's easy to be addicted to. Cause oh, man. The amount of times I go around someone's house is, oh, you need to watch Vandalay against Chris Lieben. Well, this is a conversation. We, so we had this conversation on the podcast last week, and I'm actually having discussions with Fight Pass about putting viewing packages together of old events. So we can be like, hey, go and watch the second round against such and such in this fight. You know, th- there are loads of fights that are on Fight Pass that are just sitting there and nobody knows they're there. You know what I mean? It's it, So we'll get that together. We'll start doing that. That'd be good. There's loads to talk about. Well, that Vov Chanchin knockout in the corner. That's going to bug me. Well, now. yeah, we, I can, should look we, it can, up. we can put that through. Obviously, share. We should look it up. We need a we need a, a Joe Rogan buddy to Google stuff for us, don't we? Yeah, we'll, we'll find someone. Or yeah. I'll be sat here. Can't you? T- you can't your dog work Google? Ben's all over it. To be fair, yeah. but he's he's very much into porn. Oh, so that's he, no good. Yeah, he doesn't. If there's a fluffy blanket, if there's a, like a his old bed, yeah, he gets distracted. <laughs> it's like the first time someone works from home. <laughs> no one's watching me. <laughs> all right. Maybe I'll jump on. Oh, Google. that's what you're doing all day, that's, right? Yeah, that's, right, that's, right, that's what okay. bends all over. <laughs> and here's me thinking you're sending out full reptile orders. Oh yeah, no. no okay, no. I've got foot Vigov of Chanson's record pulled up. Which which one do you reckon it was? Valentin? No. Pride. Ricardo. Is, when was that 2004? Ricardas. 2001, maybe. No, that was Rings. Can't have been that one. Oh, I don't know. Someone's going to know. Someone listening now is going to go, oh yeah, that was They're already screaming. They're it was already a- screaming at the radio. Oh no, 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 there it is. W- was it Carlos Barreto? I think it was. Beheto. It could well be. I'd, yeah. I'd know it if I saw it. I'm pretty sure it was. Pride Pride 6. Yeah, I bet, I bet that was him. I think it was nice. Nice. I listened to uh, to you and, and Mark last week and one of the first people Mark mentioned was my good friend Remco. It was brilliant. Yeah. And when he was talking about jits. Jeez, this guy fought everybody. They all did, though, back in Pride. Oh, no, he lost a split decision. That can't have been him. That can't have been him. Someone listening now knows who it is, and they should, they should, they should... No, oh, you can't tweet me right now. That's no good. I'm so jet-lagged, man. My brain is mush. Is, yeah, in three days' time, it's, you're going to get a load of tweets. Like, who the fuck it's is this It's mush guy? and maple syrup and Tim Horton's coffee. Shout-out to Tim Horton's. <laughs> right, uh, let's move on to the UFC before we lose track again. Yeah, so where did we got to... We watched... Oh no, we'd already moved. Yeah, to the we've already moved. So we're, we're on there. So we're let's st- talk about main card then. Main card then. So Garcia Court McGee, Vellante Ed Herman. <laughs> what a fight that was! It was insane. But uh, the, the, like I said to you earlier, every jab that was thrown landed clean. Yeah. So I, I know that it's the super exciting fight. You want to see it just haymakers. But you know, every time the jab came out, it landed and it looked crisp. Mm. But Vellante looked exhausted. There was there was just a point in the fight where Ed Herman was starting to move his head a little bit more, and then when he started to move his head, he was coming back in and countering, and he was he was doing fairly. I mean, he started to land some clean shots doing that, like like he started to bloody uh, uh, Valancey's face up, but then he then he started he carried on with the slipping, which obviously is good because he was getting his head out of the way of danger, but then he just stopped coming back, and yeah. I just think, I, I mean, it, obviously there was some exhaustion there. They're both taking a few shots, but. One thing that I think is I think we should do for the commentary booth is I want a button next to the commentary booth, and when I hit that button, we have a little speaker on each of the corner posts in in uh, the octagon. And it shouts head move, man. Yeah, yeah. Head move. Yeah. Uh, head move, man. Just in the count voice of a Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> that was head not movement. that was not organised. Not at all. Time. <laughs> but you're right because I honestly thought that John Volante won. Yeah, I know Ed Herman. The thing was, it was the way that you jumped in. Let me talk to both you guys. And John's 
properly. Like, it was like, oh, it well, was a good fight. What are you going to do? It's pretty close, man. <laughs> this guy, though. This guy. Twelve years. High fives. What are you saying, Ed? Fuck this shit. I want fucking fuming. <laughs> Fuck him on that. That's why he's called short fuse, though, right? For real. Like, I, thought, I thought he was going to start again. Right. But to be fair, he, I would watch he looked that fresher. Again, he looked. He looked yeah. like he could have gone another round. Yeah. Yeah. He's got. I think he's got to have that cut in on the inside of his eyes stitched up. Yeah. Um, but what? If ever there's a fight that could be called a draw, and I'd be comfortable with it, that was, that was the it. fight. I was disappointed there was no Matt Sarah Ray Longo. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Obviously, we spoke about these these guys before, but it seemed that maybe John was missing a little bit of something. Maybe. Because sometimes you need that screaming little potato dude. Yeah. I guess they're all helping uh, Weidman prepare for, for gutted, the alligator. Man. I'm gutted. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I want to watch I want to watch the Jackery fight. I, I do, but Luke Rockhold had a strike force cap on the other day. He did. I've got to take issue with that, man. That's He's not point. old enough to be retro yet. No. Pride? Yeah. Run with it. Go yeah. for it. I've got a pride hoodie. You strike force. <laughs> the good old days. Yeah. The good old days. That was him in it. The what, good old days. <laughs> what about um, Andre? We talked about this earlier as well because you were impressed with Jonathan Martinez, weren't you? The dragon yes. against Andre Sukumtoth. We were talking about the uh, the referee intervention where Sukumtoth was like, he was he was throwing to finish. He was looking all for the day. finish, and then the referee stepped in and was like, "Hang on, hang on." Groin strike, and then he, he turned to to Sukumtath and he was like, "Watch your strikes. You're in control of the what of your weapons." And then he turned to Jonathan Martinez and he was like, "It's your it's your responsibility to defend." Yeah. I'm like, I "Defend against groin shots." And no. the crowd don't like me stopping it. All right, carry on. <laughs> Come on, boys. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like the first groin strike. We were saying, obviously, when you look at the camera angle, it's tricky because you don't know how big th- someone's thigh muscle is. Yeah. And no no matter how much you graze the boys. He's still going to come keen. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's there's the the one I refer to always is the Koscheck Paul Daly knee, where you watch it back and you go, I could definitely fit a piece of paper between that. Yeah. That's not touched the uh-huh. thing. Whereas with this, it was more, it was still rubbing the lycra. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the second time when he did it again and just stopped them, was like, oh, people didn't like it. When I <laughs> get, carry on. And they almost looked at him and just say, oh, what, what do I do? Yeah. It's like when Volkov looked at, looked at Derek Lewis to give him his gum shield back. <laughs> How hard do you hit, bro? Is this yours? <laughs> nah, definitely yours. What the fuck? Yeah, that was. It was a shame that the referee jumped in at that moment. But I was impressed with Jonathan Martinez, though. I mean, he took the fight on short notice. He he came in for his for his fight week interview. So we and I'd imagine it's pretty intimidating, right? I mean, I, how old's the kid? I don't know how old he is. He basically he sat down in front of us for the interview. Like he's twenty four. He's like he's a young twenty four. He's very very shy. He's very quiet. So he walks into a room and there's myself, Jimmy Smith, Brendan Fitzgerald, two of the production team, uh, Lappy and Mike Ritchie, and then John Gooden, all sitting there ready to ask this guy questions. And he sits down like a twelve year old in a job interview for our bank. Mate, he he reminded me a bit of a cross between Bruno Mars stretched out, <laughs> stretched out Bruno Mars, and um, the. Oh, what's his name? The Brazilian, Brazilian champ, Brazilian champ, Brazilian champ, little guy. Hold on, hold on. Faber got beat by him, but Cruz beat him. Uh, sorry, TJ Dillashaw beat him twice. Renato, not Renato. What the fuck? Why can't I think of his what? name? Oh, Barrao. Barrao, Henan Barrao. If you look at him, <laughs> he looks a little bit like Henan Barrao. A little bit. Henan Barrow and that. Bruno Mars have a baby. 
That's him. How, how does that work? No, I, I, no we, we're not going off on that tangent. I'm nipping. <laughs> I'm, I'm nipping that. You giving me bumping stumps. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go into that. Okay, let's, but let's to be not fair, go off he, on that tangent. He lost nothing. He had wicked body kicks as well. I enjoyed that. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think he came away from that with his debut looking like he lost anything because no, it's like when Sukumtar fought. Um, your brain's gone again. It's just it's we've ju- done too much today. Yeah, we've been doing too much. It's um, uh, Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley. There we go. I don't think it was fair to for that because there were two massive superstars. I think you could have catapulted Sean O'Malley at the same time as Sukumtar, but yeah, it was still a good fight. Yeah, but in the same instance, this guy lost nothing, no, nothing by losing. No, it was a no, good fight. I enjoyed that one. I think Soaking it, it was interesting from the adrenaline dump, though, how it could have been different. It was, his conditioning just crashed. Yeah, I mean. I think that's that's kind of what happened to um, Anderson Silva when he fought Bisping in London. Definitely. When he landed that flying knee and yeah. thought the fight was over. Oh, well, he when he knocked Bisping out. Yeah, went running <laughs> off celebrating. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, he could have had the fight finished there quite quickly. One more, one more punch. Yeah. That's that's why you should, that's why the walk-off knockout is not always going. Cool. <laughs> that's why... When What's you, it, Zombieland? I always forget double the... Double tap, yeah. Yeah, don't be stingy with your rounds, with yeah. your bullets. Definitely, man. Yeah. Definitely. We need to make a t-shirt out of that. Don't be stingy. Don't be stingy. Double tap. <laughs> um, Sorry, you were saying, was no, it Sirkinov? Yeah, yeah, Sirkinov. Where are we? We're 35 minutes. The time just flies by. We're, we're it does. nonsense. It does. But Ed, Arthur asked us to make it longer. Oh, is that right? So we can settle in. Oh, shout out to Ed Arthur. Yeah, we can settle okay. in. We can do that. All right. Sirkinov so, then. Sirkinov and Cummins. Molded. Didn't last very long, did it? I think he caught him with something bigger than it looked. Yeah. Early on, in. that early yeah, exchange. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because Cummings just looked like he wanted a bit of that cuddle game, and yeah. then realised he wanted none of that game. Serkinov's massively underestimated. You know, after he's uh, he like picked up a couple of back-to-back losses, and like talking to him this week, he's the kind of person that you can't get you can't get a great deal out of him in like a minute or two interview. Like post-fight interviews, you can't get much out of him. Backstage interviews. Like, he's the kind of guy, I'm going to get him on the podcast at some point and we'll have a good chat with him because he's fascinating. He's very, very well thought out. And, like, fight week, he laid out all of the problems that he was having going into these previous training camps. He was, you know, he was organising his own training camp. He was calling up his own sparring partners, effectively coaching himself for big chunks of the day. Yeah, but look who he's lost to. It's, it's like Vulcan and Glover. Exactly, that's, yeah. That's not a bad record. I know, obviously, he's lost earlier on in his career to Aaron Johnson, but... And I would say both of those fights are, are more than winnable for him as well. I, I would like to see a rematch with, with Volkan. Obviously, Volkan's coming off a loss, and I think he broke his nose as well. Yeah, he, he looked yeah. like he was struggling to, to suck in some yeah. of that good stuff. Nasty. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Serkinov. I tell you who I'd like to see him fight is Jimmy Manoa. Yes. I think that would be a really interesting fight because he's been knocked out for in, in the first round twice now. Uh, he's just fought a grappler. I feel like he needs to now face a striker and show us what he's capable of yeah. against someone that can punch again. And Jimmy's in that kind of place where he needs to take out some of these rising yeah. rising fighters. Well, he's to almost kind of the Bisping his, gatekeeper of his division. Cause a little bit now, yeah. Bisping always filtered them through because they always consider him the older dude. Uh-huh. But tough as fuck. And Jimmy's very similar in that vein where he never says no, always has a go and, and comes out of it yeah. pretty good majority of the time. Yeah. But yeah I could I, see Patrick Cummins... Facing um, someone in Bellator, well, maybe, maybe, I, I, you know. But one of the one of the other two light heavyweights that fought on the card. Um, I mean, you know, I, I'd watch a rematch with Jan Volante. I'd watch him fight uh, Ed Herman. Yeah, all, but mate, all four of them you Be can do a round Ed Herman. Yeah, because the thing I was going to say earlier is that was Jan Volante and Ed Herman. 
I don't know what it does to their career because they're sort of that mid-range. It's not yeah. like you're not climbing, you're not shouting for a title shot after that. And you also, not, how much top 10 are you? Didn't he lose to Patrick Cummins? Yeah. So it's, he oh just, no, MMA maths don't work, but. I know, but he, Vellante's got like, he's got all the natural physical attributes that he needs. He, he can punch. He's, he's big for the weight class. He can wrestle if he chooses to. You know what I mean? I just, more than anything, the thing that came across last week when I was chatting to him was his self-belief. Yeah. It's like he looks at the rest of the guys in the division. He, he doesn't feel like he matches up well. And as soon as you get that into that mindset, you kind of tread water. Yeah. And I kind of felt like, like he was even talking about moving up to heavyweight this week. Yeah, which you know? is insane. Which, you know, I mean, but the thing, he's, he does walk around at 240. I mean, he's oh, a shit. big boy. He is a lot bigger than... And then Ed Herman was coming up from uh, middleweight. You know, he did look like the smaller fighter out there too, but Ed Herman, I think, is still a big, uh, a big fighter for light heavy. But Ed Herman's one of them that's a, that's a forever guy. It's like a Diego yeah. or a CB Dollar. Was it some, 12 years in the UFC? For real. Yeah, that's impressive, man. But I think Jean Vellante, yeah, I don't think he's had that breakthrough fight. No. I don't think he's had that cowboy fight yet where someone has been... I think he's going to step in at, uh, at one of these fights where someone drops out and people can get to know him and love him. Yeah. I think his opportunity was Shogun. I think that was his opportunity to yeah. you know, to, to really get a big a big name on his record and it just kind of slipped away from him. Yeah. Yeah. What about the co-main event? Let's have a look. Yeah. Enjoy it? I did. I just saw a lot of... I saw Artem mimicking Connor quite a lot. And I don't know if that's a natural progression of training together a lot. Clearly, Connor's an excellent striker. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he, he can go rounds with him for days. I know you're not always putting 100% in 100% of the time. But he's sent to move a lot different from when he fought Cobb. So it's like he's done way more rounds with Connor and his hands down, chin out. sort of the, not, not a billy walk, but he's sent a lot more... I don't know, just... He, he sent like his range, he was finding his range a lot better. You know, you spoke about the brick wall, the yeah. yellow line between Connor and his opponent. Mm. Not on the same level, almost like an Asda version of, of Connor's Waitrose version, if that <laughs> makes sense. And he sort of, he seemed to be finding it, but then he'd just throw these haymakers from like last week. Yeah. And Johnson just, he's too good. Just a bit too fast as yeah. well, isn't he? I, I, kind, I kind of felt like Artem felt going into the fight that as long as he kept Johnson under pressure, he was going to be able to get to him eventually. Yeah. Because I, I think I said this in the commentary, the times when Johnson struggled is when he's been under a lot of pressure. And, I mean, he said this himself, like when the fight starts to get away from him, he kind of struggles to pull it back a little yeah. bit. You know, like the Diaz fight yeah. kind of got away from him a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's psychological as well. But that's I mean, the thing. You know, I feel like... calling you a bitch the whole time. Yeah. Fuck. But I feel like Artem was kind of playing that game a little bit as well, like trying to get inside his head, trying to break him with pressure. Because the thing is, Artem needs to get close to you to land That's combination it. shots. The difference between someone like Diaz is he gets in your head and gets it out there. He finishes someone weaker-minded, no disrespect to Johnson. But he, if he can get in your mind, he gets the fight won that way. Yeah. Artem almost needed 27 rounds. Yeah. And he could have. they could both go for days. But I think it, it was a lot more microdose rather than getting going all out. Yeah. But... Like, I mean, we don't see him. You don't see Lobov get stopped. You don't see him get finished a lot. I don't like, think he's ever been knocked out. No, mate. He, he, look at him when he fought Cobb. No one knew him. No. They, yeah, you know bits, but he still he put a, a good show on. He's just a tough fight for anybody, isn't he? Yes, <laughs> he's he's just a. We need to see him against the Korean Zombie. Oh, the Korean Zombie's just took just taking a fight against Yaya Rodriguez. Oi, that'd be good. That'd be good. I still want to see anyone against Justin Gagey. Yeah. Just because I want to, I want to see Justin Gagey against Khabib all day. All day. I Antonio just feel, Ferguson. Like just 
just walks forward and mauls people. Yeah. I'd love to watch. I would love to watch Justin Gaethje and Khabib because that's they've got such similar styles Thunder in the way Dome. that they fight. Yeah, Thunderdome. Yeah, yeah. Give Pastor. them a chair each wrapped in barbed wire. Yeah, chainsaw. Yeah. Sand instead of a canvas. Okay, got to be sand, aren't it? De- mate, definitely. You can't have a you can't have a fight to the death like you know like we would get with those on two a blanket. No, <laughs> no, don't work. No, that would be a wicked fight though. I, I I know people think I'm crazy when I say Justin Gaethje. I'm sure people listening now are going, yeah, Justin Gaethje, it's ridiculous. Mate, Honestly, I want to see it. He's got that he's got that Maulin style of wrestling where he's never going to stop. A little bit like a bear. Yeah. And I think the bear had some success against Khabib as a kid Definitely. in the video that I've yeah. watched. I mean, I've watched it a few times. I'd like to see some of the camera angles, but but it's a different. Is there's, there's a Russian wrestling, there's American wrestling. Yeah. And I'm not talking wrestling. I'm talking the American wrestling. Yeah. That. There's differences. It's uh-huh. ju- Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Japanese jiu-jitsu. There's always that little, there's that that little opening that people miss out. And I, I don't know, Gagey just it's it's like he's an experiment, a bit low budget compared to <laughs> Habib. But it's like you just switch him on. You go, you're gonna fight now, and he's like, okay, yeah, and put him in the go. cage. Just uh, Justin Vick, James Vick looked. He was out that, of his depth. That surprised man. me as well because I I kind of felt like talking about Justin Gagey's style and kind of marching forward and mauling people. I felt like because Vic was taller yeah. and because he's so good at neck attacks, I thought he was going to be able to wrap Gaethje up. Definitely. But he just, I mean, that right hand just shows you. He didn't look comfortable walking out. No. So, yeah, well, I like to see Artem. To be fair, I'll watch him against anyone. I Artem, don't know if he's, yeah. yeah. But that, he was good. What about what about Big Tone? <laughs> Do you reckon they call him Big Tone back at, back at home? I don't think so. That sounds like a very, very British Do thing. Do you think? Yeah. Big Tony one. Like every football <laughs> team in the UK has got a Big Tone and a Daz. Yeah, that's a, that's a big tone against big Volk. tone, mate. It was fantastic. He's good. They're but well, they're both good, but yeah, impressive. If you look in a dictionary now at the word exhaustion, <laughs> he's just got Anthony Smith lying on his back. Like, <gasps> did you see towards the end of the second round uh, as Anthony Smith went back to his corner? I'm not. I've not. I've not watched it back yet, so I've not seen the camera angles. But there was a point as he walked back to his corner. He looked over at me in the commentary booth and he shouted. He went, Dan, Dan. I said, I said, I looked over, I was like, what? He said, ugly, and nodded his head. And that, like a few days before we'd been talking, and he said, I know this is not going to be a fast fight. I know this is going to be ugly. The first couple of rounds are going to be ugly because he hits hard, he's durable. Got to stay out of the way. It's going to be ugly. And he was like, he knew exactly what was going to happen. Mate, that choke was deep. You know, right. the first time you're like, ooh, 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 and then he just readjusted. Mm. But I was pleased for him because I know when we broke it down before, Falcons had a go at, at DC. And I don't think he... He didn't do himself justice, but it's it's that big show in it. It's, it's the first time you do a driving test. You don't know what you're expecting. But I wanted to see someone different this time, and, and Smith justified it. Yeah. He asked very politely for his title shot. He did. It wasn't a full GSP on his knees. Uh, have you seen the edited version? I've got to, I've got to pull it up and show you. you. Show me with it. Um, I just wanted, I've been, I wanted to stand here one day and feel confident in saying Dana White, Sean Shelby, Nick Main, uh, Mick Main. I can't remember else his name he said. He was like, my name is Anthony Smith, and my balls was high. <laughs> someone had edited someone needs to Derek songify Lewis it. into it. Mate, someone songified was, Derek Lewis singing right. it. It was in my head for about four days. <laughs> Picking the kids up from school, singing my balls is hot. It's not good. <laughs> not good at all. No, it was good. And I, I hope he gets his title shot. It, when you talk to him, when you ask him about fighting John Jones, the excitement in his eyes is... But that's that, the hunger. That's the thing. That's the, that alone is... If I saw... Very, very rare you're going to find someone that looks as excited as he does to fight John Jones. And even people that are number one contender when John Jones was champion, they were like, oh, 
Yeah, exactly. Can, can yeah. I make middleweight? Maybe heavyweight looks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who I do have to fight a lot heavyweight? Cain Velasquez, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll do baseball. Yeah. I'll do baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is one of the things I wrote down on my pad that I was going to say to you because I was listening to the Tyson Fury podcast on the way over. I haven't listened to it yet. It's really too. good. Yeah. It's, it's a proper look into... I mean, it's easy to pass judgment on anyone, but mm. I've had a good listen. I, I enjoyed the podcast. It, it was great. But he was talking about mental health and depression and all the rest of it. And what most people jump straight to is the, you've got depression and you've got 100 million pounds. I, I don't see yeah. how that works. Where I know he, he's saying that his way out of mental illness and stuff like that was by setting goals and I working through them, them. Yeah. Which, is, which is true. But if in the back of your mind you can't pay your mortgage... Setting that goal, it's yeah. it's a it's a tricky thing to do because oh yeah, you can have all the goals in the world, but I can't go to work because I'm scared to go outside or whatever it is. Mm. Then that's that's problems. So I agree with some of what he was saying, but I think it's the hunger as well. And I put it down to Grand Theft Auto cheat codes. So okay. you know when you first get GTA and you're playing on it and you're earning your money, doing your challenges, getting a pistol with like four bullets and you're making them last and doing all the rest of it. And then Double Dickhead Dennis comes from next door and says, oh, have you got the cheat codes for, for GTA? And I'm like, no. Drops them out and you can do infinite ammo, infinite cash. I want to drop a tank here, unlock everything. <laughs> and you do that. And once you've done that, the game's sort of ruined. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Connor is that example or anyone like John Jones is up there and he's unlocked, he's, he's unlocked his full GTA. And by mm. doing that, you're not, what's the point in doing the missions? Because it's like, I've got 50 million in the bank. But if I go and run that prostitute over, I'm going to get 200 quid. Yeah. I don't care. So it just it just hit me when Tyson Fury was saying it. I was like, I just think it's like when, when, when you could rip games back in the day and you could go to the video shop, rent a game, copy it. By the time the end of the week came, you've got 300 new games, but you don't know what to play because you're spoiled for choice. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's happening a lot where you see someone like Derek Lewis stepping up because he's not got all the money in the world someone like Anthony Smith, but they're not doing it necessarily for the money. And I don't think John Jones did, or I don't think Connor did, but now they've got it. It's a bit more of a... It sort of changes the motivation I'm a bit. I've got to get out of bed. Yeah. Oh, fuck that. What is it that John Danaher said? I'm going to butcher it, but he said something about it's difficult to get out, out of bed, out, off silk sheets in the morning and go to the gym and get punched in the face. Of course. Something like that. Yeah. But it is, it's true. It, it, it's got to change motivation. It's got to change motivation. You know, someone that's like, I enjoyed the struggle coming up and, and I never really made enough money to not be struggling through training camp. It was just the way it was. But like, that was one of the things that motivated me when I was walking out. I'm like, I, I've, I've earned my right to be here because yeah. I've suffered. And maybe, you know, I mean, there are a lot of professional athletes now that don't feel like you have to suffer through training camp and stuff, but it worked for me. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think it works for a lot of people, whether they consciously or subconsciously know it you know but I think you can appreciate other things so it's like when you went to Vegas the other day and it was a bit of a treat that you got yourself the Hemi oh yeah and and that's beast it's not but we were talking about it the other day no you don't want to be fuck you money all the time no you want to be able to survive comfortably and know that you can have the, the treats that you appreciate because he was saying Tyson Fury was saying I got this car and it was alright for two minutes then it was a piece of shit and it's like I find that really hard because for me, it's all about, it's time. Time time is everything. So I get to spend time with my kids, with my wife, doing cool stuff. And now that you can breathe in something where you know you're secure, but it's it's something that you have to work towards. So it's like making a new design. I don't know what everyone's going to like, mm. but when you get that validation of even one person buying it, 
that's awesome. Yeah. Because it's it's that you still you're still on that same level playing field with other people. That's why meeting people at Cage Warriors was just like, dude, I'm not you, which obviously people tune in to hear what you're saying. But for me to go up to someone and say, dude, thank you so much for buying that. You're paying my kids fucking, like you're paying our mortgage, basically. Yeah. I really appreciate your support. And getting the feedback was f- fantastic. But I think once you get above and beyond that and you get to that, you don't want to stop and talk to people. You're not interested. It's just the money. Yeah. It's kind of ugly. Yeah. Definitely. I've not listened to podcasts yet, but I will catch up with it. But like, I mean, I I used to train, I used to use the boxing ring right after Tyson Fury in, in Nottingham at the uh, the gym. And uh, he was always training with Carl Froch's coaches, I think, if I remember right. But he was just he was just a big old lump. And then the next thing, he's fighting for heavyweight titles. I, I He kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. I kind of dip in and out of boxing. I've, I've lost interest in heavyweight boxing for a long time. And, it, and it's... It's all a bit pantomime now, yes. like the face-offs and stuff. Like even the McGregor uh, Mayweather stuff was at times. Like the first press conference was good. The second and third one were a bit much for me. Well, it's when you have to outdo yourself with yeah. with just outlandish shit. Because yeah, you're going to back yourself up, and that's why it was nice when he was coming up against people like Jose that we can appreciate is the best ever. Yeah. And then for what he did mentally and and everything to to do what he did. You don't need to call him any names. You don't need to fucking disrespect his family because it was impressive. Mm. But like you said before, once he's been with the Maymac and he had all that, he's just got to outdo all that. Yeah. I don't think he can go back and, and just come back and be all wholesome. But no. at the same time, it's it's sort of, it just gets a bit old. You know when someone's trying to be funny and you're like, dude, yeah, fucking wind it That's in. That's the one thing that Connor's always always got, and I think he always will have. He's, he's witty, you know what I mean. He's very fast. Yeah, well, he, like there, there are so, some. I mean, obviously, some of the stuff he says, you know, you, we can we can debate it all day, but like some of the quick stuff he comes out with. I'll never forget when he was on BT on Beyond the Octagon, and he was talking to Chad uh, Mendes, resting his balls <laughs> on his forehead. <laughs> I can still but, laugh. But someone that. like Chad, he's got literally nothing to that, that because. No. But that's I think that's very British. That's so. We, I know we've said it before, but yeah. it's so. There's there's so many obvious little things. I got myself in so much trouble just saying outlandish <laughs> shit to the wrong people. Banter for days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't good, but that's yeah. Yeah, I and, remember the old rough house days when Jimmy and uh, Jimmy and Dean used to often think you were taking the piss out of them, and, and yeah. you you were just bantering. And yeah, they just didn't <laughs> who's that little twat in there? <laughs> Fucking loud mouth bastard! I'll you can snap him. Com- <laughs> you can't say that. You can work computers. Yeah, yeah. Put go and put your geek goggles back on, dickhead. <laughs> Uh, any more thoughts on the Volcan Smith fight? Anything just, else you want to talk about? I was just so impressed. I was I was impressed because and I I thought Smith was going to do it. I wanted to see him get the win so I could see what happens next. Um, and his game plan worked. Like if he's coming back in the second round after fighting up close with Volcan and to have the the mindset to look at you and go, see, yeah, ugly. This, this is what I meant. <laughs> have you got an inhaler? Yeah, I, I I wasn't sure all the way through it. I wasn't sure whether he was hurt in the first round. I wasn't sure whether he was gassed in the second round. I, I didn't know what was going on, but he just, I don't know. After speaking to him after the event, I was chatting to him for a good a good while at the hotel and, and it just sounded to me like he was, it had just kind of gone according to plan. It was almost like in the second round when Volkan was on his background and pound, he was just controlling the wrist just to kind of burn out that round because yeah, yeah. he knew he wasn't allowed to stop him until yeah. the third. Like. And I, I know this sounds kind of silly, but like some coaches do that with fighters. Like Owen always used to tell me when I was going into a kickboxing, tie boxing, K1 match, he would always give me something to work on, work towards. Yeah. I remember one fight in Nottingham, he said, you can't stop him in the first round and you can only stop him with a body shot. 
So I had to manage my power with everything I threw. That's insane, but that works. That works as well. Because it did. It gives you something to think about. Uh-huh. But one thing I, I saw at the end, did you notice, is this wrong or was, was Bruce, I love Bruce, don't get me wrong, in the sharp suit, but when he was announcing the winner and he said Anthony Smith, he said, in the very third round, you don't normally say very before third. The like, very, very first. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, I didn't know if it was just Bruce being Bruce, but when he said, in the very uh, third round, I was like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that the works. Third. Yeah, the very third. Yeah, because it's normally just the very first, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I like it. I mean, it's Bruce, he kind of, he kind of, you know, oh, he's, yeah. he's the guy I've that got no, no letters to stand <laughs> No, when he's, when, he's, when he's throwing out special words. Yeah, right. Right, anything else you want to talk about? I've got a couple of bits. Go on then. Because one of them, one of them goes into, uh, into the money side of things, when we were talking before, because I was thinking about this. And other people have asked as well, because someone came in the office the other day and I've got the most random shit around my office, which means so much to me, but you, you can't buy it. It's just it's just rubbish. Like I had a, a chocolate orange wrapper that stays screwed up when we first got together like 20 years ago. It looked like a womble. So that's what I've got on the side. And I was, ask, I was gonna ask you, because I know you've got random shit like I've got, trinkets. And I didn't know what's your most valued possession. Like what, what means so much to you, but is... Mm. That's a good question. I don't know, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I have, I have a lot. I mean, I value a lot of things that I have. With no value, there's. It made me yeah, th- yeah. I mean, you know, like, like, I've, I've got my granddad's old wristwatch. That's very valuable to me. Um, got my granddad's wedding ring. Yeah, that's his. That's very, very valuable to me. I don't know, to be honest. I mean, like, I've, I've got collections of all kinds of stuff. I've got, I've got Lego for days. I love Lego. I've got loads of crystals. I've, I've got a big thing for quartz crystal. So I've got loads of different crystal points and stuff. See, this is, this is that to me, but. one thing you can take on the desert island with you. The one thing you can, when the when the house is falling down, the one thing mm. you can grab. Because it made me think, we went to a, my brother's trying to buy a house at the minute. We went to an auction. And basically, for whatever, have massive house under auction. So it was going pretty cheap. And an old deer lived there. And I don't think it had been changed since like the 60s. And it, and it just spun me around because one of my one of my most treasured possessions, and I didn't realise how much it meant to me until a, a few days ago, was is my mug. Obviously, I always say I got the two kids, I got my wife, and they bought me this mug, which it was probably from birthdays, like five quid or whatever. And, it, and it's not a particular design or anything, but it's mine. It's what I have all my drinks out of, and it's it's just stained. It's grim. But when I was at this auction, I walked through this house, and bear in mind there's hundreds of people there looking to, to go in and essentially there's all the old stuff there but there was an old pantry cupboard and all the mugs in there were completely different which I love I love everyone having their own mug I don't yeah. think you need a set and it just kicked me in the nuts to think that this lady has passed away obviously now the family's selling the house or it's gone to wherever to be auctioned and all those mugs had a story there was a specific reason there was a Tom and Jerry or there was an SO mug or whatever it was and it was I was trying to explain it to myself like well I never realised that the most important thing to me in the world is a mug other than like yeah daft things like my granddad's ring and a, yeah. and stupid shit that I've got but Moo was lying on the settee the other day and was just being a 10 year old and flailing her legs about and booted this mug and it nearly smashed and my wife jumped up and was like oh my god do you know and like just realised to me how much it meant to me and it was one of them where it's crazy to think that something so insignificant yeah. can can mean so much. Yeah. But I know that obviously we've got a similar sort of wavelength on daft shit like that. I didn't yeah. know what, what it is. Yeah, I would say it's probably my granddad's watch. 
because I think that's the only thing that I mean my, my black belt is valuable to me because I, cause I remember when I got that because I worked hard for my black belt and m- my instructor Mick Rowley was like he put me forward for a grading very very occasionally it wasn't the kind of get them in and churn out black belts all it day it wasn't every a bought belt was it no I, I mean I think I think Mick in his whole career as a, as a martial arts teacher probably had well only a handful of black belts only a handful. A lot of people left to get black belts from other people because he wouldn't put nuts. them forward. Yeah, that makes yours a double black. It does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, like- that, that's why it's special to me. And then I got a regular black belt when, like, so I did the grade. The grading was like five hours long. I had to spar two people. I had to do a whole bunch of stuff, breaking bricks, and I mean, and at the time when I was, I was what sixteen. Like that was, I mean, that was like more important than taking exams because yeah. I think sixteen. Well, GCSEs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, many, many years had passed be- but, you know, before I was even put forward for that. But you can't alloc- allocate a value to that, can you? No. And that was when Tyson was talking about the Ferraris and other people about talking about what they have and what they've got. And, yeah. And it's crazy how it's such different levels of, of how money can change and, and all the yeah. rest of it. But yeah. I've kind of always been in the mindset. There are, two, there are two things that I value that I will always add to that people can't, that nobody can take from me. And one of them is what's in my brain and the other one's what's in my skin. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can So like that. some of my most valuable things are my tattoos, but because they are a part of me now, it's like, I, I, they, I can't lose them. I think, you know, with like my, mostly my granddad's watch, like I, that's, I can't replace that. I can't get another watch to, to because because it wouldn't be his, you know what I mean? It's, oh, it, he has got a, she had a full shake. She's had a wander around. But <laughs> yeah. that's, that. I mean, one of my tattoos is purely because my granddad, one of my grand, my mum's dad, uh, my granddad Bill died and he was from old school. So the, the, the mattress, literally anywhere in his house, you lifted up something up and it was a hundred quid. <laughs> like, all of his inheritance was literally just found in the house. Um, but so essentially all the grandkids, my mum gave everyone from the estate a hundred pounds. Right. And I was like, I've got to buy something I can't lose. Now, he would never, ever, ever have approved of a tattoo, but I had a full piece across my back, or a little piece, because I've got a small back. And <laughs> it was one of them that, I'll never lose that. And as much as he wouldn't have approved of it, he, uh, I think it was, it was quite a cool thing yeah, to do, because I, yeah. I don't lose a lot of stuff, because I'm, I'm one of them where, even if like the tele remote goes missing, I won't fucking stop until yeah. I find the tele remote. It just drives me insane. Yeah. Crazy I, I, have, shit. I have a tattoo for my granddad, a granddad tattoo on the back of my calf. I got it right the, after the GSP the fight. The mug of tea, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. I think my kids might just have a big back piece of tea. I just seem, I seem, to, <laughs> seem to mainline tea. It's a Joints. problem. Just a, just a cup of tea and a cup of coffee and a joint. <laughs> yeah, big one. What's that on your back? Oh, don't worry about it. It was a mistake. My dad, You're, the double dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that... So... There's there's one other question I've got you, but when I was mentioning the kids, this, this broke me the other day. I've got to ask you this, and it, it's it's basically me and Stacey were in the kitchen, and Moo, who is ten, was just in the living room chilling, mind her own business, and her question to us was, "Mom, mom, is it illegal to kick a mermaid?" <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. That's a good question. Uh, because then she followed that up with, because if it isn't, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to have that quick talk with her to go, well, what's the thoughts on mermaids? Are they real? <laughs> she just looked at us. I was like, what the fuck? What, like, what? Oh, that, where's that come from? Yeah. 
the concern. So what do you do as a parent then? Because there's there's a point when you stop defending the, the idea of Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and all that kind of thing. Jesus, maybe. You know what I mean? It's, it, yeah, well, Jesus is long gone. I mean, move. Is that right? Yeah, because it's the problem is I'm quite vocal about that Welcome sort of Welcome to the stuff. Atheist Podcast, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this is it. And I'm a very much, I'm a believer on the whole Ricky Gervais side of things. And, yeah. And it's, and it's tricky, but I mean, Moo is very much, I don't believe in Jesus because something happened to someone once. And that's common sense sort of little way of going around it. Rather than someone being super religious going, yeah, well, everything happens for a reason. She's like, yeah, but my dog died. So fuck you, bro. Mm. So, and, and, I'm, and I'm not in a position to tell her not to or, to or to do it. Same with Santa. So she goes up to big school next year. And the problem is there's a lot of super dickheads in her year group that basically they are the younger one of the kids, whereas Moo's the older one of ours. Right. So with them being the younger ones, they literally just walk, like the older one, for whatever wanker reason, goes up to their little brother and goes, he ain't real, you know? And they're like, yeah, he is. Mum said, and he's like, come with me. And they take him into the fucking bedroom and show him like a Toys R Us bag full of stash. And you think, <laughs> dude, don't tell my kids. And I've had it many a time with different people that believe in different times to tell their kids. And last year, we genuinely thought, we've got to tell Moo. She's, and it would kill her because she is so jazzed for Christmas. Anything, like, literally can't sleep. And we managed to get through last year without anyone at school telling her. So now this year, it's, I'm so worried. So is that, so you, are you think you're going to tell her this year then? It's not even that I'm going to tell her, but it's a case that last year she asked. So you think someone's going to tell her? Someone's going to tell her. And mm. so, well, she came to me and Stacey and went, you know, oh, I can't remember who it was, Reese or, or someone. Yeah, Reese at school said Santa's not real. And we both sort of stopped, looked at each other as if to say, oof, we tell her. I went, what do you think, darling? She went, of course he is. Comes every year. And I was like, mint. <laughs> we'll stick with that <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, stick with that. <laughs> and it's so hard. Yeah. It's really hard. So, yeah, that, on the whole, that just made me piss though. The fact <laughs> that, are you, is it illegal to kick a mermaid? Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. So, was, yeah. K- kicking mermaids. Kicking mermaids in the park. Yeah. Remember what? kicking pigeons? Kicking pigeons in the, who was that, Sponge. I honestly don't know. I probably been, got it. It's probably on my playlist. We've been throwing music tracks back and forth oh, today. We've had some what, old school medicine crow, some Dax Riggs. What, what were you playing? I was playing uh, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. That's it. That's it. And what was it? I downloaded some stuff this week for uh, Gimme Radio. So, give me, so it's Halloween this week, obviously. So my Gimme Radio playlist this week is all Halloween style tracks. Let me find the name of this band. They're great. Uh, where is it? Where is it? We had White Snake. White Snake. We did have some White Snake. We just... So here we go. Uh, the Frankenstein Drag Queens from Planet 13. That's, yeah. Brilliant. No, normal top of the pop kind, I love of, it. kind of call up. And of course, we've got a bit of uh, I Was a Teenage Werewolf by The Cramps. <laughs> I was a teenage werewolf. I loved it. Instantly, loved it right? instantly in my playlist. I need a teenage werewolf t-shirt. So yeah. I, I, that was one. That was the last question I was going to ask you. It was guilty pleasures because I found myself the other day, because it's yeah. Halloween, I was in the car. And I was rolling down the down the road, and Backstreet Boys. Backstreets back. All right. All right. So it came on. Yeah. And from there, everybody. <laughs> I was like, you oh my jamming. god, full tilt, full bollocks, <laughs> windows down. Of course you were. Word for word, <laughs> and it got to the point where I was like, fuck. Ten years ago, I'd have kicked my own ass for this, and it was one of them where not only did I enjoy it. I then added all that, the Millennium album, everything went in the playlist. <laughs> and I know that if anyone ever asked, I could say, well, Stace put it in there. I fucking mm. loved it all. Yeah. And it was one of them, it was the guilty pleasure that, obviously you've got the outlaw, you've also got yourself, but you've got the outlaw that people look to and like, oh, you used to turn people off by punching them. <laughs> so for me, I don't know how hard it is for you to have a guilty pleasure that's like, 
Well, I like Dancing Queen. Oh, well, see, I've got a Guilty Pleasures playlist and I actually put it together for the guys at Legends for Sparring Day. So we used to we used to have a Guilty Pleasures playlist and it's got everything from More Than A Feeling. More Than A Feeling. Exactly. To um, Hold The Line. Love isn't always... Oh, what a song. Toto is my jam. Walk Like An Egyptian. That's on there, of course. Walk like an Egyptian. Mate. No, did you not? Did you not stick your arms da, out? Da, 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 yeah, da, da. Winds of change, scorpions. The, this is the guilty pleasures. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be a good old man sitting at the back of a oh, bus no, one day. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> that, oh, what did we watch the other day? That's on that. Down to Gunky Park. Yeah, I can't remember the film. We watched the film. <laughs> did, Motherfucker! Did, did you listen to the Fight Disciples podcast the week after we got back, got back from Vegas? And yes. Adam was giving Nick shit. For, for yeah. a, mate, that moment where we were driving down towards the strip in the Hemi, listening to Wasn't Dire Straits, whole, uh, oh, money was, for nothing. Yeah, mate, that, have you ever listened to the actual lyrics in that? It's ridiculous. It's like the Only Fools and Horses song. It's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. But that Ricky Gervais used to do a podcast with uh, Stephen Merchant and Cole Pilkerton. Yeah, basically a lot of the Ricky Gervais show is clips cut from that and animated. And animate, yeah. And uh, Stephen Merchant once tried to buy a set of speakers like on the black market, <laughs> bottled it, ended up buying them. But essentially, it all came round to where this guy wanted to show him them working. And he said, the greatest rock song ever, Money for Nothing by <laughs> Dire Straits. And I'm like, is it? Is it really? It's up there. Well, the, mate, <laughs> clearly, when you're riding through the, through the valleys... wicked. <laughs> it was perfect. I don't know. I wish we'd have videoed it. I honestly don't know what I'd choose. No, it might be Toto. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. I've got my music taste is beyond fucked up at the minute. S- send in tweet as your guilty pleasure at Full Reptile Radio. At, yeah. No, Full Reptile Radio doesn't exist, does it? Does it? No, maybe Full do Reptile. On... Full underscore Reptile. Yeah. And uh, at Dan Hardy MMA and at Monkey Chops eighty one eighty one. <laughs> send us your uh, guilty pleasures. Random, random things coming. <laughs> yeah, I like. Abba, nice one. Aswad, send it through. Like a send it through. I'm going to build a guilty pleasures playlist. I'm going to build all the, suggestions the full reptile. Yeah, and we'll do it on the full um, reptile guilty pleasures. We can make a Spotify list because uh, perfect. There we go. Richard Davis at um, Abandoned Ship is uh, independent in Scotland. Fucking incredible artist. He did a sad songs playlist because he, he did the Millhouse picture like sad boy, and honestly, it is slit your wrist music. But it's like you almost get dragged into it. You know, when you start listening, you think, I've got to turn this off. Yeah. I'm going to dig out my Guilty Pleasures playlist and we'll, we'll start building that. But there you right. go. But that's, that's all my questions. That's I managed to questions. get through everything. Talking about, is it illegal to kick a mermaid? <laughs> Answer us. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Topic of the week. Yeah. Reoccurring right. segment. I think we're wrapping, yeah? Yeah, dude. We good? This is it. I'm in rambling, so yeah. Happy days. It. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Full Reptile Radio, out. It can do something no other kind of lizard can do. It can run continuously for a very long time and that enables it to become an endurance hunter chasing down its prey thank you for listening if you like what you heard subscribe via itunes